Now, the wealth protection diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. The only way to assure continued profits for any business is through constant analysis of what's happening in that business. Whether you're selling products or services, it's important to periodically study sales and cost figures relating to your business. In them, you will discover clues to what you must do to increase profits each year. Sometimes it means cutting expenses or increasing the price of certain products or services. Sometimes it means adding something else to your line, which incidentally may have little effect on your overhead costs. And sometimes it means dropping a product or activity that clearly is proving to be unprofitable. If you want to sustainably succeed in business, you must learn how to identify and diagnose the activities which are sabotaging your financial results and then know how to correct those mistakes so that the results you desire can be achieved. Never forget this. Measure results, change activities. My guest, Tim Nelson, owner and manager of Evans Nelson & Company CPAs, prides himself on being a CPA with a sense of humor. Under all the Excel spreadsheets and payroll forms, Tim finds a way to make sense of the numbers for you. Be it IRS representation, individual and small business tax preparation, or small business financial consulting, he can help you because before starting a CPA practice, he wore many hats from CFO to CEO in global companies that grossed well into the millions each year. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Sherry, for having me back. It is always a pleasure to be invited. Thank you. Well, since you're a numbers guy, I'd like to toss around 15 ideas, different ways business owners can increase their profit margin. So I'll lead the way. So number one, access to resources. So when you think about high-tech companies that are based in Silicon Valley, they have certainly better access to employees, venture capital, legal experts. How does someone here in our Reno market or northern Nevada market compete? Uh, Small businesses are at a somewhat disadvantage because they don't have piles of money before them. So whether you're in a startup or, you know, a early, early stage company or whether you're an existing and you're just looking to uh, grow, uh, you got to look at what trading cards that you have. Uh, and so, for example, uh, I've seen people uh, trade out in equity. I've seen people trade out uh, using the uh, three F's, friends, family and fools. You've got to look at what you have in front of you. Uh, usually entrepreneurs, especially in early stage companies, have more time than money. Uh, and so they find extremely, extremely creative ways uh, to accomplish what they go. Uh, idea is know where you're going first and have that goal in front of you. Absolutely. All right. Number two, have better clients. Have better clients. <laughs> Uh, especially small, small companies are always worried about that next dollar of revenue. They're afraid of pushing anybody away because if they lose that, they might not be in business. Uh, But right from the get-go, hugely important to keep those boundaries. First of all is identify what a good client is. A lot of people haven't even done that. So by identifying what a good client, a customer, a patient, whatever your business model is, is critical. 
to holding yourself up against those standards down the road. Uh, and then once you've identified that, it's really easy to put them into the box and um, and classify those uh, clients into the boxes that you've created. Uh, now comes the hard part is when uh, you're faced with a real life, real world situation, your largest client suggests that perhaps uh, in order to stay a client, he or she uh, requires to, you to do things that maybe you're not comfortable with. So, uh, you know, have those exercises, do drills, uh, think of all the possible ways that something could go wrong. Uh, I kind of liken it to a business, uh, a, a divorce, right? So it's essentially a business divorce. If you've thought of all the possible ways that something can go wrong, chances are likely that they won't. Right. One, and you talked about, it's a lot easier to do, certainly after you've been in business for quite a few years, to really figure out who are your best clients. And what we often find is we spend a lot of time and energy, that old 80-20 rule, right? Yes. Where the uh, 20% that are really making money, business owners don't give them enough time and attention, and we focus on the other 80% that are actually dragging us down. And or uh, going out in the marketplace trying to acquire new clients while not even taking care of the ones that you've got. Yes. All right. Number three is the control of the distribution channel. And what I mean by that is years ago, Apple went out to their number one supplier of a component and bought up all their inventory so that their competitors had to go out and and settle for second best. Huh. Interesting. (laughs) As a business, as a local business owner, how do I control my vertical integration? Uh, again, without big piles of money, uh, it is more relationship-based. Uh, so identifying what's out there, unless you're in a, a very unique industry where there's a limited supply, lithium, for example. Um, but uh, if you're in most industries, uh, the the vertical integration chain is very difficult to do. Uh, service-based industries, again, we talked about the access to quality employees, especially with unemployment rates being as low as they are. Uh, in product-based companies, uh, identifying where those high qualities. A great story I have uh, when I worked for the frozen fruit company. There are about, I want to say, 30-something varieties of pineapple. Who knew? <laughs> exactly, right? Uh, and there was a Maui Gold, which was kind of the pardon the pun, gold standard for pineapple. Uh, well, you could not get that from China, big producer of pineapple. You could get not get that uh, other than um, kind of Central America, Costa Rica, or the Philippines. So identifying, first of all, what's the high quality product that you can put into your mix, and then uh, securing access to that high quality product is critical to uh, becoming a leader in your industry. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Tim Nelson, CPA. And we are talking about the 15 ideas or different ways business owners can increase their profit margin. We're on number four, being a first mover. So when you're alone, you own the market. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. And number five, focus. So this is something I find in a lot of the teaching that I do is Every business thinks they can be everything to everybody. And I'm a huge believer of stay in your lane. 
Right. Yes, absolutely. So number one thing I consistently see across all industries, across all entrepreneurs, uh, if you went into business to bake peach pies, uh, you didn't think that you had to be a marketer. You didn't think that you had to be a bookkeeper and an accountant. You didn't think that you had to be in charge of logistics and distribution. But as an entrepreneur, you're all of those things. The smaller the company, the more hats you wear. And so focusing, uh, or I've heard it also said, working on your business instead of in your business uh, is critical to uh, moving your business ahead. You can mill around a long time doing the same things and get nowhere. Uh, So take the time, block it out on your schedule, be committed to it. It is sacred. Let nothing impinge on that time to all the ways that you can. My business coach says, get up in the biplane, be the wise CEO of your company, and think of all of the things that you need to do to move your company forward. Right. And and really think about what is that one thing that you're excellent at. So in your example of you bake peach pies, in the next month, you don't want to start making bread. That's exactly right. <laughs> right? Yes. Master the peach pie, right? <laughs> Number six, guts. And when I mean guts, it's it's really talking about how do you raise prices? How do you really compete in that world? People have such fear around raising their prices. Yeah, that inherent value, uh, that inherent uh, self-worth. Uh, so in professional services company, we always say, you know, we're not good enough, that kind of thing. Or maybe my product isn't as good as the uh, competitor's product, uh, that kind of thing. So establishing that, then be bold about it. Uh, perception of value is huge. Uh, I've talked before about uh, these. uh, We had a bunch of tires that were left over from uh, the uh, company that I worked for. We'd gotten rid of our trucking operations and we had these big mounded tires. And we put them out by the freeway. This is in Central Valley, California, with a big sign that says free tires. And we could not get anybody to come take those tires for free. So we eventually found a distributor that sold these on the internet. And he said, hey, what should price should you charge? We said, hey, we just want to get rid of them. He said, nope, you got to charge at least 50 bucks. So we put a sign out there by the freeway that says 50 bucks a tire. And the very next night, somebody came and stole the whole thing. <laughs> so as long as you have that value that, you know, somebody feels like they're getting something and it's up to the business owner to kind of fulfill that, you know, flourish and say, here's what value you're getting, uh, then pricing really doesn't become a problem once they believe that they're getting value for that price. There's a lot of different strategies for pricing structure. Certainly, you want to make sure you cover your costs, but how do you really create profit from your prices? And that's something that you, as a business consultant, probably one of the first things you look at when you help business owners is, what are you selling your products and services for? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I find a lot of times that they're pricing the product because that's what the other guy charged. Uh, I find that they're pricing the product because because that's what they need to cover their costs. Uh, and so there's not a lot of thought giving to, uh, all right, what really is the um, uh, pricing structure? What is the uh, add-on features? Uh, that kind of thing. Or uh, in certain cases, uh, what can I get rid of my waste product for? Uh, in that old frozen fruit company, we had this kind of slurry. So after you mash up all of the uh, fruit and that kind of thing, you sell off the good pieces, you have this stuff that's left over. Uh, And so they were basically putting it into the uh, digester, which is basically a big um, 
sewage system, uh, irrigating it out back onto the fields. Well, all of a sudden, these ice cream manufacturers were hugely interested in the slurry because they could add it to kind of an apple juice base. And all of a sudden, there started to become significant revenue to the company what was before a waste product. I'm going to pick up with Tim Nelson. We're talking about the 15 ideas, different ways you can increase your profit margin. And we're going to hit number seven, innovation. We'll be right back. This is Dr. Travis Adlington, optometrist at Adlington Eye Center. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because of her wealth of knowledge and her willingness to share this knowledge. High-level thinkers have great vision, and they listen to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is a wealth protection diva. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening Products. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening combines Attention all residents of Northern Nevada. This is a high heat alert. Temperatures will be in the high 90s and 100s for an extended period of time. Call SunTech Solar Screening to block the sun and heat from your windows. Now back to our commercial. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech Solar Screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening. Today I'm talking with Tim Nelson, owner and manager of Evans Nelson and Company CPAs, who is a great guy and someone that I tap into quite a bit for my Catalyst Live courses and Next Level in the past. And today we're tossing around 15 ideas, different ways business owners can increase their profit margin. And we've already run one through six. Now we're going to move into number seven. So one was access to resources, two better clients, three, control of the distribution channel, four, being a first mover, five, stay focused, six, have some guts, raise your prices without fear, and now number seven, innovation. So realistically, I, you know, spent a lot of time in the world of innovation, personally, professionally, and of course, helping students. But for you, when you go into businesses and you see there's a lot of assets left on the table, 
in your example, the sludge from the squished <laughs> fruit that became a, a great market for the ice cream company. So how do you really help people understand there's ways to innovate? Oh, innovation uh, is key. So once you've kind of had your uh, product, uh, you got to figure out how you're going to sell it. Uh, if you're not moving through traditional channels, uh, the great thing about being an entrepreneurship or entrepreneur is uh, the access to your creativity. So using the other side of your brain uh, on ways to move your product, whatever that product is. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, you can be an aspirin. You can, uh, in my world, that's tax preparation. Everybody's got to get their tax uh, return prepared. You can be a vitamin. You can be uh, the improving of the health. In my world, that's consulting uh, of businesses and that kind of thing. So if I'm consulting businesses, there's a bunch of people out there that say that they're business consultants. So doing it in a special way, uh, doing it in a different way, innovating, uh, we're your financial translators. We take the world of numbers, because you said I'm a numbers guy, and translate it. So uh, like you're in a foreign country, if you're in Russia, if you're in China and you don't know the language, there's a lot of things that you can't get done. Or if you can get them done, they take so much more uh, time and effort. So being the financial translator uh, is a different way of quickly explaining to our customers how different we are in delivering those services to them. Right. Well, and then just also in a business, having a culture of innovation where, you know, 3M is the classic where for many, many years, you know, 15% of every employee's time was spent on some new innovation. And that's how we got post-it notes and sticky tape and who knows what else, right? Glues of different sorts. And so it really comes back into the organization to go, do you allow time for people to create and innovate. And of course, that's going to help you increase your profit margin. Absolutely. Totally agree. So number eight is location. Easy to find, easy to buy. So I imagine as a business consultant, you would go into uh, you know some type of organization and, and look at them if they're retail and go, how is it you found this spot? Oh, cheap rent. But <laughs> yes. can anybody find you? That's very interesting. Uh, a great salesman uh, years ago said, make it easy for your customer to do business with you. And, and so location is one of those things. Uh, if you are in uh, a location that your customers can't see you, in a location that your customers are not, uh, and that's true both from a brick and mortar installation as well as a virtual installation. Uh, where are you doing your advertising for your online, your virtual companies? Uh, who's, quote, seeing you? You know, are you on uh, the big uh, stuff? Are you uh, pitching to your demographic? Uh, so being aware of that, being cognizant of that, because they can't buy your product, can't buy your service if they can't find you. Exactly. So that's important to take that into consideration as you're opening your business, whether it's a service-based business or whether it's online or that you have clients coming in out. You still have vendors and suppliers that need to find you too, right? Agreed. And the big multinationals take, for instance, Starbucks have a whole division dedicated to, should I put it on this corner? Should I put it on that corner? Should it not even be here? Number nine, lower cost structure. So I use the example of Dollar General. They don't build any stores. They actually take over all the old CVS stores because <laughs> CVS is now moving to corner locations to compete with Walgreens, right? <laughs> So thinking about, you know, as a, as a startup or an existing business owner, really some of those things that 
you don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to build. You don't have to build out. I mean, yeah, not not having to recreate the wheel, especially as a small business owner with a limited amount of resources, you want to see what's already out there. And so if something's already built, if there are tools that you can use to further advance uh, whatever it is you're trying to do, uh, hugely valuable uh, to decreasing that overhead. Uh, And of course, overhead means higher profits and higher profits means that you can stick around or do better. Right. Number 10, move up the value chain. So what I mean by that is if I am in fourth position, so I have to get my supplies from, you know, company X who has to sell it to company Y who has to sell it or drive it through. How do I, you know, look at that? Most people don't understand what I mean by value chain. I'm hoping you do. (laughs) Yeah, I always take the Friedrich Nietzsche approach. So he who has a why can overcome almost any how. So uh, it's up to you as the leader of your organization in charge of the success of yourself and everybody who works for your company uh, to continue that value. So keep on asking that why. How can I do it better? How can I move a little bit better? How can I move a little bit faster? How can I provide more value in the product or service that I'm offering to my customers? If you always keep that focus on your customer, if always keep your focus on providing a better whatever it is, mousetrap, then you will always uh, come back to that. Uh, But keep on asking, and yourself, most importantly, keep on asking yourself the why. Right. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Tim Nelson, CPA. And we're talking about... 15 different ideas that you can increase your profit margin. And we're on number 11, product mix. So those are those upsells and cross-sells. And this is a lot of times where companies don't really look at their entire process to go, wow, could we add something here or... Yeah, the, uh, the typical small business uh, lists out a line called revenue. Uh, if they are a little more sophisticated, it might be by product line, but rarely do they start uh, seeing profitability by product mix. Uh, and so seeing that, we, we even in our world, we break it down uh, to the various revenue lines. What's a tax preparation? What's a business consulting and the effort and labor that goes into that? to see which are more profitable products, which are less profitable, and then we consciously apply those to our customer base. This is a great way to build strategic alliances that have great products or services that enhance what you're offering, and so don't limit it to just what's sitting on your shelf. Amen. Number 12, a proprietary feature. So this can move you into a category of one. So obviously, you know, we think of intellectual capital or or proprietary, you know, recipes or things like that. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having something unique, having something proprietary, or even the perception of something proprietary. Again, uh, the pink spoon of Baskin and Robbins, uh, the velvet rope of the nightclub. I'm getting something that other other people aren't. I'm moving to the head of the line because I'm important. That perception of value in your product and service offering is just uh, key to to any line of business, to, um, to showing your customers that they're getting something of value. Right. 
Yes. Number 13, strategic vendor. And these are people like Coca-Cola, a great example. They have an awesome relationship with their bottling company who they keep secret because the bottling company has access to their proprietary recipe. So is there anybody in your world that can be a strategic vendor that if you keep them secret, it it helps you create more profit. <laughs> uh, you know, and and secrecy is not paramount to uh, doing that. But in every business, there are strategic vendors. The vendors in flexible payment terms, uh, in uh, referral bases, or provision of customers. Uh, so uh, keeping those vendors uh, happy, keeping them close, letting them know that you value them, uh, doing all of the things that we sometimes think about, but as we get busy in our busyness, uh, then sometimes we don't actually act on. You said earlier about uh, entrepreneurship is action-oriented. And again, acting on those, taking the time to send the thank you cards, taking the time to, to do all of the things that we were taught as a grade schooler to show our gratefulness goes a long ways towards uh, keeping our vendors and therefore our strategic uh, relationships uh, in a positive world. All right. And number 14, a strong brand. Well, of course, Disney, Coach, BMW... They command strong premiums because they've spent millions of dollars building that brand. Absolutely. And then on a local level, it's uh, without the millions of dollars, it's basically the same thing. You want your customers to know that they will get a consistent experience when they come here, that they get value when they come here, that if something goes wrong, that you will take care of it. The buck stops here. Uh, And so all of those things consistent with building your brand as a wonderful provider of services, a wonderful provider of product. Uh, will lead you into the future and continue your success. We're going to hit on number 15 with Tim Nelson, CPA. So stick with us. This is Diana Hoffman, entrepreneur, attorney, educator, and professional vocalist. You are listening to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. When you're empowered, you are at your best. Empowered people listen to the Sherry Hill Radio Show. Thank you, Sherry. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. So, you're thinking about buying investment real estate. Getting the right mortgage is a critical part of your decision. This is Lou Carr, branch manager of Summit Funding in Sparks, Nevada. With today's extremely affordable mortgage interest rates, you have the opportunity to step into what could be the best investment purchase you'll ever make. How do you go about it? First, get pre-approved with a mortgage lender like Summit Funding. Then, find the right property at the right price. Summit Funding is ready to talk with you about getting a mortgage to purchase real estate. Visit summitfunding.net slash L-C-A-R-R or call 775-626-0775 for personal service. This is Lou Carr from Summit Funding, NMLS number 258750. Thank you. Summit Funding is an equal housing lender.
If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. My guest, Tim Nelson, owner and manager of Evans Nelson & Company CPAs, is someone that helps businesses grow, stay compliant, and do all kinds of wonderful things with their financials so that they increase their profits. We've been talking about the 15 different ways that you can increase your profit margin, and believe it or not, we're on number 15, which, Tim, is vertical integration. So this is a good example of controlling those distribution channels. So a clothing manufacturer that buys or starts a fabric company instead of having to go out and and source through other suppliers. Provides you a lot of comfort knowing that uh, your upstream and downstream chain is taken care of. And the best way to make sure that your upstream or downstream chain is taken care of is doing it yourself. Uh, Look in the mirror, can you trust yourself? If the answer is yes, absolutely. Right. So again, that focus we talked about earlier. I want to switch gears because I want to talk about the Nevada Commerce Tax, which for a lot of people, there's still a lot of myths, there's realities, there's confusion. And of course, you work with small to medium to large businesses, a lot of questions. And so the first question is, who must file? The state of Nevada, which Department of Taxation has taken over now, says that every business in the state of Nevada uh, has to file an annual commerce tax return. Of course, that period is now July 1 to June 30th, which a lot of businesses don't keep track of their revenue. So it's causing some uh, excitement along the small business community. Uh, And even if you do, uh, you know, how do I do it? Uh, What forms do I use? Uh, What items do I have to consider and add to the commerce tax form? Uh, Lots and lots of questions across every industry. Right. Well, I know for a fact that if I'm an independent contractor, if I'm someone that owns a rental property, whether I have an LLC around that company or not, if I am a nonprofit, and of course, an LLC, a corp, an S corp, everyone has to file. Now, I would say gets to file. Yes. <laughs> it's to file. Okay. But absolutely. Uh, so this, this one, uh, of course, being the first year, uh, a lot of people with questions. It's due by August 15th. There's some amnesty provisions. If you're not ready, there's extensions that you can get. Um, but uh, it's imminent. Uh, here we are in the middle of July, and uh, it's, it's coming up pretty quick, folks. So if you haven't heard it, if you haven't got your welcome letter from the Department of Taxation, uh, you might want to do some internet searches. Sherry's got some great material on her website, um, but uh, start being educated if you aren't, because it's here. All right. So let's talk about the cap, because again, this is where people say, well, I'm not the 4 million cap. So if I earn less than 4 million in gross revenue, yeah, clarify that. So uh, the idea is that any business with uh, $4 million or more in gross revenue will have to pay the tax. All businesses have to file uh, their commerce tax return. Uh, originally, it was going to be this wonderful way for the state of Nevada to uh, gather data by industry uh, on how much revenue is actually coming through the state. Uh, the practical application is a little bit less than that because if you're less than $4 million, you ha- can mark a little box at the top that says, I'm less than $4 million, and you don't actually have to 
provide a revenue number. Uh, so a little bit easier than we originally thought uh, about a year ago when we saw this was coming down the pipe. Um, but um, still concerned. If you don't file a return, uh, the Nevada Department of Taxation will send you a love note reminding you. Uh, and there could be various penalties uh, and interest uh, involved if you owed tax. Right. So what I noticed, because I did get a welcome letter and there's another page to it. And that page says, we need to gather more data. We want to know who owns the company. We want to know the percentage of ownership. We need to know your federal tax ID number. So, of course, the main thrust for this year is to build their database. A 180-degree shift in the whole idea about Nevada businesses and being uh, private. I mean, the Secretary of State didn't gather that information. No other state agency uh, gathered that data. And uh, so very concerning to businesses that wanted to, uh, that came to Nevada for privacy reasons. Well, as a commercial registered agent for several decades in this state, I'm finding that a lot of people, because remember, we had the two hits. We had the raise in the state business license fee, specifically for corporations that bump $300 a year. Right. LLCs only by $25. So I didn't understand that disparity. Then you turn around and you go, well, now we want you to provide all this detailed information about who you are, who owns the business. And now we also want you to file this tax return. Absolutely. Yep. And I would have been okay with just the tax return. Again, uh, we had a lot of effort trying to put down the commerce tax, uh, that kind of thing, but it was here. And and I'm like, okay, it's here. I guess we could. But that second page, the thing that you uh, just spoke on is a huge, huge concern to me uh, for the number of businesses, especially out-of-state businesses that do business in the state of Nevada. Um, Very concerning to their continued uh, desire to do business here. All right. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Tim Nelson, who is the owner and manager of Evans Nelson and Company CPAs. Their phone number is 825-6008. Obviously, Tim is, you know, sleeves rolled up into the commerce tax right now. I'm sure a lot of your clients have concerns because we just finished all the federal tax stuff. Now we have this new state tax Part of it is there's very few exemptions. So when we talk about gross revenue, this was the big bane of contention. It wasn't gross profit. Mm -hmm. It's gross revenue. And... Very few exceptions. So if I make $4 million and $10, I now have to pay commerce tax on... The $10. Even if you spent $5 million doing it and lost money. Right. And so where a lot of people said, oh, this is only going to hit the big companies, it really is not. I mean, if you own, you know, several gas stations, you're a financial services firm, you're a consultant, whatever, it doesn't really matter. One of the big confusions also is all that passive income. Right. So uh, not only do you get the privilege if you're in five or six different industries of aggregating those uh, for determination whether or not you 
you get to pay commerce tax is the pass-through income. And so uh, the uh, NRS and the form is trying to eliminate the income that is really not yours. You are getting it on behalf of others. So for example, there's a specific exemption for uh, real estate agents. So real estate brokers bring those in. They pay out uh, X percent or X dollars of the commission to their agents. Uh, then the real estate brokers are not subject to, that's an actual reduction in any true revenue sharing arrangement with your independent contractors. So for example, uh, if I hire you as one of my consultants, Sherry, and I pay you 50% of gross revenues, I get a deduction on my commerce tax against that. If I pay you uh, $100 an hour, $150 an hour as an independent contractor, the cash in your pocket might be not the same, but I don't get a deduction on my commerce tax against those unless it's a revenue sharing arrangement. Also, one of the other interesting things, which is really in favor of Nevada companies that do business in other states, is this is only based on Nevada revenue. That's absolutely correct, yes. So if you're doing business in California or Arizona, the key here, and I'm sure you're advising your clients, is you better have different line items for where that revenue is sourced. Absolutely, yes. And we were saying that before uh, on the opposite side of the coin. We wanted to make sure what was Nevada sales so we didn't have to pay California income tax. Now we're, it's interesting, we're seeing the other side and saying, hey, you identify that to make sure that you can be exempt or not. The other thing that people, you know, in their their minds are thinking, well, I'll just form multiple entities and then I can stay under the $4 million under multiple entities. Part of the data gathering is to see, do you own 100% or control more than one? Because that was one of their big concerns. Our uh, advice to clients is the technical term, your host. Right. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, if anyone is listening, has confusion, or needs help really understanding how the Nevada Commerce Tax is going to affect their business, want someone to help prepare that commerce tax, if you're over that $4 million in revenue, then be sure to reach out to Tim Nelson here, CPA at Evans Nelson & Company, 825-6008. Also, visit sageintl.com. I've created a whole informational piece on the Nevada Commerce Tax, hopefully to simplify it for people. One other thing, if you have not received your welcome letter, you can call the Department of Taxation and they'll give you your access code. We're going to switch gears. The nation's tax policy, which has been a divisive issue in recent elections, and 2016 has been no exception. So I want to hear from Tim his thoughts on the tax plans of both of our presidential nominees. But first, we're going to hear from my friend Rocket Tom, someone who helps me think outside the globe. According to the L.A. Times of July 15, 2016, in northern San Diego County, two men fell off a bluff while playing the game Pokemon Go. Farther north in Anaheim, a player was stabbed by a group of men in a park. Also, according to Wikipedia, this game allows players to capture, battle, and train virtual creatures called Pokemon, who appear throughout the real world. It makes use of GPS and the camera of compatible devices. The game is free to play, although it supports in-app purchases of additional gameplay items. I had to do this research because the app was released in the USA only on July 6th, and it had become a national obsession by July 11th. 
My typical response time to breaking app news is about six months. My first encounter was with a bicycle rider riding on a walking path in Reno, who nearly ran me down as he stared at his handheld device. My next encounter was a day later when I was in Oakland. A radio news story reported that Metro buses were overloaded with individuals searching for their Pokemons. The most congested was centered in Berkeley. The individuals I was meeting with at a client company in Oakland looked at me in utter disbelief when I disclosed my ignorance of this new fad. Several millennials rattled off the intricacies and wonders of this new computer game that was designed to get individuals off their butts and outside physically walking to potential sites where they can capture one of these characters. It's alleged to be a society enrichment platform to meet new people as you journey from pokey destination to destination. One of the downfalls of being trained in physics, electronics, and over-the-air communication is that my logical self immediately viewed Pokemon Go as another massive burden on the cellular communication system and on the Internet. If the activity level went from zero to obsession in less than a week, how long might it take to crash an already taxed wireless network? We are barely making inroads in dissuading individuals from driving and texting. Now we have zombie smartphone users walking, riding, and falling off cliffs, creating even more individuals among us who are disconnected from the world around them. The inventors have created another cottage industry that encourages mindless disregard for personal accountability and social graces. I learned long ago to be continually aware of those around me who are moving on sidewalks, malls, other public venues, who subconsciously believe they are alone and oblivious to their surroundings. My radar senses people who are occupied with electronic devices and would walk into me if I did not proactively take evasive action. My life is daily enriched with the latest technology. I utilize it to its maximum advantage in saving me time and making instantaneous communication with business and family. But I use it responsibly. I use it when necessary, not as a continual, full-duplex communication with the world. I'm extremely situationally aware and credit that for not being involved or contributing to traffic mishaps in more than 50 years of driving. I'm also respectful of those around me and how thoughtful use of resources will make them available when I need them. Is anyone up for a good game of treasure hunt without electronic devices? Give me a call. This is Tim Nelson, Certified Public Accountant at Evans Nelson & Company CPAs. Tune in to The Sherry Hill Show right here on 99.1 FM Talk Radio. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva. Sage advice is the best advice, and that's what you get when you listen to The Sherry Hill Radio Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she's an out-of-the-box thinker. Thank you, Sherry. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. 
For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit sherryhillshow.com. The nation's tax policy has been a divisive issue in recent elections, and 2016 has been no exception. Inevitably, it's pocketbook issues that motivate voters the most, and that means taxes. What would the federal tax plans for Trump and Clinton, the respective likely Republican and Democratic presidential nominees, mean for you? Well, my guest, Tim Nelson, CPA, owner and manager of Evans Nelson and Company CPAs, has dug into their proposals, and let's talk about what he's found. So who do you want to start with? (laughs) It's interesting. Uh, Both candidates have proposed uh, significant tax reform and tax simplification. Uh, And uh, by tax simplification, uh, we're, what, 74,000 and change pages in our tax code. Uh, And so, and often those provisions are conflicting. Uh, They uh, say very different things depending on one minor uh, fact in your facts and circumstances test. Uh, So simplification, I think, is um, a wonderful, wonderful idea at its theoretical basis. Uh, Case in point, the last time we uh, had a major tax reform package in 1986. Uh, the both houses of Congress and uh, the executive branch started the process in 1983. So if they really want significant tax uh, reform, we're three years into the next presidency, regardless of who's holding the White House. Um, but let's talk about um, uh, Donald Trump. So he's got a tax simplification program. Uh, on the individual side, uh, he is proposing three tax brackets, down from seven now. So right now we start from 10, we go to 15, we start marching up the things to 39.6, not including the net investment income tax. So a highest income earner can earn about 40 or pay about 43.4% of tax. So his three tax brackets on the individual side, 12, 25, and 33. So if you're currently paying 43, 33 doesn't sound too bad. Uh, The uh, net investment, the Obamacare surtax, the Affordable Care Act surtaxes would be gone. Uh, and uh, then the standard deduction would go up. So right now, a married filing joint couple is about uh, 13000 or so. It would go up to about $24,000 for the standard um, deduction people and about 12000 for a single filers. Uh, the catch is, of course, that um, the savings on that for lower tax rates is a lot of deductions would be nixed. Um, and so state and local taxes... Uh, would be nixed. Uh, Capital gains and dividends uh, instead would get a 50% inclusion, but there's no special rate anymore. Uh, And uh, both the alternative minimum tax and the estate tax would be repealed Mm. under his proposal. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of similar provisions in the House GOP plan, but differs from uh, Donald Trump's uh, individual plan. So we'll see in direction, directionally speaking, uh, the same. Um, but um, if, uh, you know, the Republican National Convention somehow elects a different delegate or something like that, that uh, the tax plan could extremely change. 
Well, you know, in all of that, of course, the all the talk out there is if we follow his tax plan, there's going to be trillions more in national debt. How is he going to pay for all this stuff? Of course, some of his plan is, you know, putting money back into our own infrastructure roads and creating jobs and those kinds of things. And so I'm just curious that... You know, if both both sides are saying we want to reduce taxes and we have this huge national debt, mm-hmm. how does that really play out? You know, as a fiscal conservative, uh, I'm kind of against both of that. Uh, the current thought is over the next 10 years that uh, Trump's plan would increase the deficit by $9.1 trillion, uh, and Clinton's plan would increase the deficit by $1.7 trillion. Uh, so again, less tax breaks, a little bit higher uh, tax rates in uh, Hillary's plan, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of the Obamacare stuff is still continuing along and expanded in certain cases. So uh, the ability of a presidential, uh, a new presidential candidate getting stuff done largely depends on the control of both the Senate and the House, uh, neither of which at this point is guaranteed. Right. Well, and like you said, in order to revamp the tax code, we're talking years. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, again, there's ways to simplify and then there's ways to simplify and the devil's in the details. The concern over both candidates tax plan is there's not a lot of meat there uh, to be able to dig in and say, all right, how are we going to get the value that um, that they are proposing that we get? Right. Well, and, you know, taxpayers today are looking at you know, am I paying too much in tax? What really, you know, a lot of our deductions and benefits have, you know, slowly diminished. And, you know, always the proposal on the table is just a much simpler tax. You know, here's how much you made. Here's your percentage. Send it in. Why is it still so complicated? I mean... We have a great, great uh, system, uh, unfortunately peppered by special interest groups, by lobbyists. Uh, One of the proposals a couple of years ago was to take the home interest, the mortgage interest deduction from uh, its current million dollar um, limit down to about half a million dollars. The proposal on simplification of tax code was on charitable contributions was limit the amount of charitable contributions that you get a tax deduction for. And the, the lobbyists said, nobody will ever give to a charity again if you don't allow a deduction for it. And nobody will allow a mortgage, you know, ever buy a house again if you don't allow a deduction for the mortgage interest. A lot of those uh, operate on the life insurance salesman, the fear uh, that says our economy will be hugely negatively impacted if we don't continue on one of these legacy provisions. Awesome. Yes, this is Sherry Hill. You're listening to the Sherry Hill Show with guest Tim Nelson, CPA. And we're talking about the difference between Clinton v. Trump's presidential tax plan, their talk about what they're going to do for America, as far as both saying that they want to reduce taxes or the percentage of taxes that we pay. And if anyone you know looks at a balance sheet to go, we have huge deficit, trillions of dollars in debt. If we take away more money that we're putting into the federal coffers, how's it all going to balance out? Yes, uh, for example, your uh, friend Donald Trump suggests that we will grow out of it. By reducing taxes, people have more money in their pockets. They will spend, uh, therefore, negating the impact because as people's incomes then increase, uh, that 
cycle, the uh, churning of the money will result in the same or additional taxes. Right. Well, and some of what he's talking about, too, is moving some of these issues back to the state level. So minimum wage education, things like that, where, of course, a lot of the states rely on the federal government to receive funding in order to provide all those programs, Medicare and all those things. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, If you do that, you will see a shift, uh, a lowering of the federal tax, and then the states will say, all right, we have to provide these services. In order to continue to do so, we will have to raise your state taxes in order to be able to accomplish the same goals. Yes. So in looking at both of the nominees, right? Which seems more right on? Again, this is an unbiased, you know, we're not saying who we're voting for or what direction, but just facts, right? Dollars. You're the numbers guy. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So uh, with the proposal on Clinton's side to uh, have a negative spend of $1.7 trillion over the next 10 years, uh, I like that idea. I think that how she goes about it uh, is incorrect. Uh, There is Ron Wyden's proposal, who is um, largely in charge of the taxation, uh, who I absolutely love it. Uh, I think that the changes in the tax codes, the simplification of the tax codes, uh, is very simple to do. Let's take uh, the alternative minimum tax, uh, been bandied about for a long, long time. So, Sherry, uh, I give to you mortgage interest deduction. I give to you charitable deduction. I give to you uh, deduction of sales and local uh, sales tax or state income tax, your property tax, all that kind of thing. And then I say, uh, all right, because I'm looking at these special interests, so I have to allow these deductions. I quote, have to. Uh, And then all of a sudden I say, but if you make too much money, I'm going to put a safety net at the bottom. And so I've allowed all these deductions. And then when you come see me at the end of the year, you're crazy upset because all of a sudden those deductions have been limited based on the amount of income that you get. And so, okay, now you're paying a minimum of either 26 or 28% on the income that you did. Uh, little uh, old ladies who have big investment gains, capital gains, now their income's up there. Now they're paying a minimum of 26 or 28%. So my my call to our legislators is be bold, enact one set of rules and stick to it. That would uh, help out so many taxpayers across the country, um, you know, just having one set of rules. Right. Well, and then we have the conglomerate called the Internal Revenue Service, which that's a whole nother show, Tim. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yes. How long do we have? I want to thank you. Anyone that wants to really dig down and what are your resources for getting down to which presidential candidate is really facing the truth and the reality of the financials of this country? If they want more information from you or to chat with you or to take you out to coffee to find out what you really think, what's a good number for them to reach you? 775-825-6008 or www.encpas.com. Thank you for being here. It's been a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of different things related to business, financials, increasing your profit margin. And of course, as with anything, when you're in business or even as an individual, taxes are a huge consideration for whatever it is you're doing. So thank you for being here. My pleasure, Sherry. Thank you. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station. 
for the Sherry Hill Show. Hi, this is Peter Padilla, your host at Nevada Real Estate Radio. Our radio show has been on the air for 11 years, and you can listen to all of the podcasts at NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. When you listen to the expert guests that come to talk with us, you'll be better informed, wiser, and ready to go when you want to pull the trigger on a real estate transaction. Buying or selling, it doesn't matter. You need the advice from NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. Make shade while the sun shines. SunTech Solar Screening, 352-9396. SunTech Solar Screening.